You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday the 19th of July, lovely sunny morning here in TW11 after a showery start. And I will be off tomorrow to Monmouth Park in New Jersey for this year's running of the Haskell Stakes, which features the comeback of the Kentucky Derby winner in Preakness third mage. be speaking to his owner, Ramiro Restrepo, as we have done throughout the season later in the programme. I'll also be talking to Vincent Ho, the man who rides Golden 60, the most celebrated horse in Hong Kong, certainly of the modern era, thrice voted Hong Kong Horse of the Year, including very recently Vincent's coming over to ride at Goodwood in a couple of weeks' time, and he tells me how excited he is at the opportunity. He was second leading jockey behind Zach Purton last year. That's all to enjoy. Barry Mahn, Judmont's racing manager, drops in just to clarify running plans for the exciting Nostrum. The Sussex Stakes is still very much in the mix, he tells me. He's not running scared. Uh, of Paddington. He could go to the Jacques Lamar, but Goodwood is still very much in the mix. That's to come in a little while. Bruce Raymond is along as well after Desert Crown worked this morning in Newmarket in the hands of Ryan Moore. Will he head to the King George? That question will be answered in a few moments' time. If he does, it could be in one of the great vintage King Georges of, of modern times because the, the contenders are just piling up I wonder how many is Aidan O'Brien going to run? Well, I've been on the phone to the master of Bally Doyle as well. And clearly the key question is, will the Jewel Derby winner, August Rodin, bid to emulate Galileo? Jewel Derby winner uh, and then winning the, the King George. And this is what uh, is what Aidan had to say. Yeah, that's the, that was the plan um, then. And, and, and that's, he's still on the plan so far. Uh, he's on that programme, uh, Nick. And uh, so far, everything is going well. So in your in your ideal world... Everything went smoothly. The King George is definitely the next target. Yeah, I think so. If, if everything is well, uh, that's, that, that is the plan and, and, and was. And uh, like I say, everything is going, um, is going well so far. Uh, it's an interesting time of the year because obviously you won a, an eclipse with Paddington. You're, you might run another couple of three-year-olds in the King George. Come to them in a minute. How big an advantage do you think the three-year-olds have at this point in the year over the older horses in, in those midsummer races? I'm not sure they have any advantage really. It, it's age is a, is a massive thing for uh, thoroughbreds, and and they they usually improve a lot from three to four. Uh, we would we would find uh, both physically and mentally, um, and like you can see rapid improvement, uh, body weight and body strength uh, from three to four. So I think I think uh, you just need a very good three-year-old to take on uh-huh. the older horses really. So you don't th- you think the wait for age is what about right? You don't think it favours the three year olds particularly? I wouldn't think it does, uh, Nick. By training horses, it, you wouldn't say that physically looking at them anyway, um, because they do make a lot of improvement from three to four, uh, a lot, and it and it's and it's consistent. We see it every year here. Physically, a horse will be will run a lot heavier at four than they will at three, um, and and uh, everything about they're able to take more work. Um, at four you know so everything suggests that they are much stronger at four than they are at three you mentioned adelaide river as a possibility for the king george that was a huge run in the in the grand prix de paris uh, is he still in the mix yes he is um yeah the 
ones we, we left in are, are all um, we left in Adelaide River um, Luxembourg is a very strong possibility now as well Point Lonsdale um, Broome is in Broome could go to the Goodwood for the two miles instead uh, Balshai Valley is a very, very strong possibility as well so um, like we, we could have uh, um Obviously, a few runners in it, Nick. You know, because I mean, I, I know I'm used to you. You running a bunch of horses in the Derby, the Irish Derby, whatever. I, I and maybe even the Ark. I can't remember you running a, a whole like a massive crew of horses in the in the King George before. It, it really is possible you could run five or six. Well, it, it's possible. Uh, I'll go through them. Uh, Luxembourg is, is very strong possible at the moment. Uh, Point Lonsdale is a strong possible at the moment. Broome, like I said, he could go and probably will go to Goodwood for the two miles. Uh, Balshai Valley is a very strong possible. And then, and then obviously, Augustus Rodan. And then Adelaide River, obviously, we'll have to see how he came out of the race and give him a little bit of time to see before we make any decision about him. All right, Aidan. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's excellent news. As regards um, uh, Paddington, we read this morning that the Sussex Stakes is starting to take shape as, as well. Is he, is he bang on course as you'd want? Yes, uh, everything has he, everything went well since and, and is at the moment and uh, he's on that plan and, and programme at the moment Nick yes and just a quick word on the Irish Oaks this weekend of yours which do you have the the strongest feeling for I, sh- I suppose we, we have three kind of what we think very strong fillies in there We like obviously the uh, filly from Chester uh, we think is is, is, um, is very well and, and save the last time yeah this has always been her her, her um, program and um and then the philly won an ascot warm heart uh, it, yeah and like we weren't sure stepping up to a mile and a half would suit her but it, it obviously improved her and uh, then another philly called be happy which we have always thought a lot of and she got withdrawn the last minute in the oaks and then we nearly had her ready to run again and she got an infection in her foot and but in the last three weeks everything's been very good with her so um the plan is is that that's where she's going to run at the moment as well Grand Aiden, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure, Nick. Thank you. All right. Um, Aiden O'Brien there. David Yates is with me. I realise, David, that if if Aiden O'Brien has got a ton of entries in a race, they're all possible until they're not. But that was quite a firm assertion. And I went in again, you know, could you really run five or six? Yeah. And let me tell you again what they are. You know, August Roda, backed up by Luxembourg. Very strong possibility. Point Lonsdale, strong possibility. Bolshoi Ballet, very strong possibility. And Adelaide River, still in the mix. So what do you make of that? I think it's thrown the cat firmly among the pigeons. Um, I've spent the last few days telling my desk that um, I'm trying to write this story about um, King George favourite Auguste Rodin is not going to go to Ascot on July the 29th. Uh, so that's that's rather pricked my bloom. Um, I, I, I think that's a, that's a, a surprise and... I mean, I think we he he dropped the the hint a couple of days ago, didn't he? That uh, Adelaide River was likely to uh, return to action, what fifteen days after uh, his second to feed the flame in the uh, the Grand Prix de Paris. Um, I think we thought that it, if we if we wound the clock back weeks and weeks, Nick, I think that Luxembourg was 
going to go for this race unless August Rodin parachuted in, in which case August Rodin would run and Luxembourg wouldn't. So it's a bit of a surprise that both horses are going to uh, run in the race, or at least are planning to. Luxembourg, of course, would be stepping back to a mile and a half after he got spanked like all the others. Adar, My Prospero, and Bay Bridge in the Prince of Wales Estates by um, Mostadaf at Royal Ascot. Then we've got a couple of horses outside those three: Auguste Rodin, Luxembourg, and Adelaide River in Bolshoi Ballet and Point Lonsdale, who are among the the bigger prices here, aren't they? Uh, Point Lonsdale was readily left behind uh, by Emily Upjohn in the Coronation Cup at Epsom. Um, on Oaks Day and Bolshoi Ballet, of course, the, the Derby favourite of a couple of years ago, uh, comes here on the the back of a, a second to uh, Royal Champion in the, the Wolferton Stakes. That's a listed race at Royal Ascot. And so those two are unlikely winners. Uh, but certainly, the I think Adelaide River's an unlikely winner as well. But certainly, um, you know, he's got recent form at the highest I, level. I, I, don't, uh, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's that unlikely. I, I don't. No, I mean... I Still what he did don't. in the Irish Derby, even if August Rodin wasn't at his best. And racing post rank of 120 in the Grand Prix de Paris with the weight. I know Aiden was saying the weight for age was very fair, but I I think he'd be a be a place chance. Well, he might be a place chance. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not if, if I say he definitely won't win, you could you could clip this up on uh on uh, July the 31st and, and make me look a, an even bigger fool than I do most of the time. Listen, uh, on the I, 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 my, I, I know what the balance of power is here. What are my chances of doing that? Uh, well, uh, unlikely. Yes, I know. But I mean, look, in in my view and and uh, regular listeners and, and readers of the Daily Mirror will know I've been wrong before uh, when it comes to uh, tipping horses in races. I think Adelaide River is probably a value loser. I think he's a bigger price than he should be, but I don't think he's going to win. If the um, the likes of King of Steel, Emily Upjohn, Auguste Rodin, Driver, and Desert Crown turn up, but I've been wrong before, um, but certainly we, we digress a little bit. Um, Bolshoi Ballet and Point Lonsdale are surely there as sort of pacemaking roles, aren't they, really? They're big prices. Adelaide River, Luxembourg and August Roda. Let's group those three in together for uh, current purposes and say that they are players in uh, the King George. It's a race that over the last couple of decades has has its ebbs and flows but this in terms of the three-year-old representation and the older horse representation would be a, a, a really, really good field. There are, there are very few horses, certainly in Britain and Ireland, uh, that, would, that we would want to see there that wouldn't be there if the names that I've just mentioned turned up. And that's a, a very welcome thing. You, you, were, you were talking to Lydia yesterday about uh, the, the, the Hall of Fame vote for the Stayers. And when I was listening to that, I recalled when I first got into racing in in the the, the late eighties, how the the staying division was pretty much on its knees, and how strong it's been over the last few years. And if this fashion with the King George, having had its uh, fallow times over the last few years, if we can get it back to being the real midsummer highlight where the uh, the generations cross swords, then that has to be a, a really good thing for our sport. Would you like to know the latest on Desert Crown? Yes, please. Good. 
Well, I spoke to racing manager Saito Hale, Bruce Raymond, just a few moments ago, and this is what he said. Well, he he worked this morning on uh, on re- on racecourse side poly track with a going to I don't know I call it a Lynx gallop or something, and they worked very well. Ryan Moore rode him, um, and he we're very pleased with him. He's his progress um, seems fit enough to to uh, uh, go for the uh, King George, in my opinion. But that's what uh, all I can say. Okay, so so he's he, but he's he's in good shape. He worked well. I mean, would you be able to compare his work to earlier in the in the season? I'm guessing he did his work with Solid Stone like he normally does. Did he? He didn't work with Solid Stone, um, but he he, 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 he um, Solid Stones. Didn't didn't yeah he just didn't work with Solistone, but uh, he yeah compare his work he's doing less in his in his work he's not an exuberant worker anyway but I know when he worked um, on the grass with Ted Durkin uh, he was very happy with him last Saturday and today uh, Ryan was very happy with him so yeah he's not a, he's not a great work worker but he finished in front of his lead horse and yeah well, everybody's everybody seemed very happy with him. Obviously, we're trying to put the King George pieces into place quite a yeah, reasonably long way out. And I know that Ryan Moore would be your, your first choice of rider if he were available. On the basis that he's not available, we had all this um, sh- jockey merry-go-round before Ascot and you and I spoke. And you were you were uh, spoke very eloquently about a very difficult situation with Richard Kingscote, Frankie Dottori and so forth. Do, do you know what the deal is at the moment with, as regards riding arrangements for this horse? I don't, Nick. No, I'm afraid I don't know. I just, I just doubt Ryan Moore can ride him. I think Augustus Rodan will probably run. Um, and they've got... Seven, seven left in the race, so I would doubt Ryan being being available. But as far as that's as far as we've got. Okay, I'll leave the rest to Michael. And then you just leave it till the last minute. Yep. Uh, Bruce Raymond there. David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, is with me. David, it strikes me really that Desert Crown. I, I, he was so brilliant in last year's Derby, and his comeback was great. He's almost developed a slightly mythical status, hasn't he? So infrequently have we have we seen him that the, the, the clamour for him. Uh, only intensifies that sounded quite encouraging yeah i mean that's what's happened that's what happens with horses um when there are more stories about their absences than about their performances on the race course isn't it as you say um i'm looking at uh desert crown's resume now 4th of june 2022 uh, then 355 days off until that thoroughly creditable second uh to hookham in uh, the Brigadier Gerard States at, at Sandown at the end of May. Then, of course, we had that mythical gallop, didn't we, in Newmarket, w- which triggered that gamble. Was it six to one down to two to one uh, for the Prince of Wales Estates at Royal Ascot last month? Um, the the money had hardly been placed before uh, Desert Crown suffered another setback. He was ruled out of the royal meeting, and then, of course, the focus was on uh, the King George. And there are a couple of firms who actually don't quote him for the King George. Obviously, they don't think that he's going to run, but in other lists, he is as short as eight to one anti-post. So that's really good news. You know, he he's a horse um, that. I, I think many of us hold in huge affection. So Michael Stout probably doesn't appreciate this, but when he won uh, the the Derby last year, it was a result that so many of us in the racing world, not just in the racing media, um, welcomed with with great affection. And he was so good that day. Um, 
and obviously he's been difficult to get to the track since he still had four starts a mere four uh, race course outings and so one would imagine that despite his problems there is still a fair bit of untapped potential to draw upon there and let's hope that uh, we can finally get a wheel in each corner and get Desert Crown back on the race course because um, he's in his own right, he's an extremely interesting horse among uh, the middle distance ranks in Europe. And with regard to the King George, uh, he would certainly be a fascinating player in that race as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't blame the the Desert Crown team for now being a bit coy about the jockey situation because it, it all it all ended up being slightly unsavoury after uh, after the the horse went wrong and they'd already booked Frankie de Tori and and so on beforehand so they're probably thinking well there's no point tempting fate we'll just leave it to the to the last minute but it, it looks as though some sort of best available policy is going to come into play again yeah it does and i think that's very unfortunate for richard kingscott um i don't think he was to blame for desert crown's uh, first career defeat at sandown i thought he gave the horse an exceptional uh, epsom Dar- a, a derby copybook ride at Epsom, not an Epsom Derby uh, copybook ride uh, in June of last year. He sat about fifth or sixth on the heel of the heels of the leaders. Um, it was almost as if he'd got it straight out of the, uh, the Leicester Piggott playbook. Um, I thought it was very unfortunate that he was jocked off uh, for the Prince of Wales estates, which, of course, in the end, that race didn't happen for Desert Crown. Um, yeah, it, it looks like they may use the best available policy. Um, Ryan Moore is, is pretty certain to have a ride in the King George. Frankie de Tory would ride Emily Upjohn if she went for the race. And so it doesn't look as though... Um, we would be looking at the, the the same situation that we had with Royal Ascot with uh, Frankie um, petitioning for the ride. Uh, I, I having, hope they- having having said all that, Dave, um, it won't have done Richard Kingscote's cause any harm at all that he rode Saeed Sahail a winner for Sir Michael Stout at Ascot last week. Um, the horse won easily and was odds on real dream, but it's that's not going to have done his cause any harm, is it? If they, if they were dead against him, he wouldn't have been on the horse. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, as you say, he, he rode uh, Real Dream to victory. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. It, it, Richard Kingscott's uh, 2023 season just uh, it, it, it illustrates, doesn't it? it? It's emblematic of the, the sort of fickle fashions uh, that jockeys are prey to in horse racing. Um, for, for many years, uh, lots of journalists were writing about how Richard Kingscott was the, the the jockey who deserved a big job uh, he got those opportunities with Sir Michael Stout he took them with both hands um, a, a, a couple of rides that didn't go his way this spring and suddenly he's out of favour or out of fashion I find that uh, I find that a very strange situation indeed, and I really hope that he does get on Desert Crown and sort of re-establishes himself as the the go-to jockey for Freemason Lodge because uh, Stout has still got an awful lot more to offer as a trainer, and that goes double for Richard Kingscott as a jockey. Right, from one Stout star to another, Nostrum, and there were, it was just a little bit of confusion today as regards whether whether Nostrum was going to run in the Sussex Stakes or not, or whether he was pointing more towards the Prix Jacques Le at Deauville. Indeed, you could argue one ain't necessarily more difficult than than the other if you look at the likely 
participants. But uh, Barry Mann, Judmont's racing manager, uh, dropped by earlier just to, to clarify where the operation stood as regards Nostrum and Goodwood. Yeah, Nicky, is multiple options. Um, you know, the Sussex being one, uh, the race in France, the Jacques Lemarois, and there's a Group 3 in Goodwood um, that he's also in, and the three of them are very much on the table. We'll see how the horse is in the next week, um, and Michael will sit down with Prince Khaled's family, and between us, we'll come up with what's best for the horse. So it could it could easily still be the Sussex. I mean, it could be Goodwood. I mean, it might not, might not be the Jacques Lemarois. Yeah, it mightn't be. It could be Goodwood. As I say, there is firmly no decision has been made. It's only a few days since he's won. Um, and, you know, the horse will only have started cantering back. So we have to see how he is and, and let Michael do his job. And we, when we sit down with the owners, you know, we'll make that decision. And as far as opposition is concerned, it, it struck me that, yeah, I mean, clearly Paddington's a formidable horse. But the, the Jacques Lemarois is not exactly going to be a pushover if Big Rock and maybe in Spiral and, and probably a Triple Time turn up there. No, it's going to be a high-class renewal, Nick. All these Group 1 races are all high-class races and, and none of them are easy ones. So it's a case of what fits what fits best for us and the horse and the owners. And as I say, you know, that decision will be made in, in, a, in a week's time. Heart of Hearts, is this a, is this a potential champion, do you think? Ah, look, he's a very nice horse. He's third in the Dewhurst last year. He's made his comeback in a listed race. He's won quite impressively. So you'd be hopeful that he could develop into a very nice horse. It's early days, but you know Michael has always had a lot of confidence in the horse, and you know we have to stay positive that he could be a high class horse. All right, David Yates. That was Barry Mann from Judmont. Um, short and sweet, but it, it, it really, I think the point he wanted to stress is that genuinely there is there is still a a desire to go to the Sussex Stakes if if the horse is is bang on. It's only really that it's a time thing, depending on which of the two races they go for. And they could even go still to the thoroughbred stakes at at Glorious Goodwood. So you know I I'd say don't don't give up if you back Nostrum for the Sussex on that on that basis. Um he hasn't definitively said there that um Nostrum won't go for uh, the Sussex Stakes, and that you know, I think we know that the Prix Jacques Lemarois is an option as well. Um, it looks as though it's still up in the air. I, I must admit that um, I was really taken by Nostrum in the Sir Henry Cecil Stakes at, at Newmarket last week. You've talked on the NLD and, and in the written media, we've we've written about uh, Shaquille and of course City of Troy being the the landmark performances of that three-day meeting last week. But I, I, I just watching Nostrum live, and I, I know that that's not always the best guide, he seemed to visibly lengthen uh, when Ryan Moore asked him to go. He gave him a crack behind the saddle, and I thought the horse sort of got lower and surged forward. Maybe my eyes were deceiving me and overdoing it, but afterwards he was equivocal as to whether the winner would go right up from listed grade back to group one company but i think just reading between the lines of of what sir michael said uh that afternoon he favors going back up to the top level whether that is in the jatlamabois or in the sussex states we'll have to wait and see but I, I agree i wouldn't be tearing up my ticket just yet if i'd backed nostrum for the qatar goodwood festival all right, well, Saturday's feature race in the United States, and the most important race anywhere on the planet on Saturday is the 2023 running of the Haskell Stakes. 
It's run at Monmouth Park in New Jersey, and it features the return to action of the Kentucky Derby winner Mage, who we've not seen since uh, finishing third in what was a a steadily and farcically run Preakness Stakes, in all honesty. He came a long way in a very short space of time. He's now working towards the Travers at Saratoga with this next race as his next step. But it is a great one. It is worth a million dollars. And his co-owner, Ramiro Restrepo, joins me now. Ramiro, why was the Haskell chosen as the as the next step, the comeback, if you like, for your for your hero? Sure. Um, thanks for having me on, Nick. Uh, ultimately, it just fell at the race uh gave us the best amount of time in between starts for the Travers. It falls uh, five weeks from the Travers. So we'll be able to get up there, you know, a day or two after this race and have, you know, five weeks and a couple of works to prepare for the Travers. Um, you know, that's been our, our crown jewel ever since uh, we crossed the wire in the Preakness. We've always had the Travers in mind. And look, it's it's not a knock on, on, on Mammoth Park at all. We respect the Haskell, the tradition, it's obviously a group one and, and it's worth a million dollars. We, we totally understand it. Um, you know, the Colt had 17 days off, no, no saddle, no track, obviously, um, since the Preakness and we've brought him back. He's only had three official works and, um, it just was the smartest play to come back in this race, have him ready, you know, tightened up for the Travers and, you know, give us five weeks. The, the spacing was perfect. Is there any possibility that even though this is a stepping stone, he's feeling well enough and fresh enough and good enough, and you're not going to let's face it run an unfit horse in a in a Grade One that he could he could win anyway? A hundred percent. I mean that that's horse racing. You know, uh, I've seen Sir Michael Stott on TV make comments like after winning a big race that you know how you know how surprised they were with the run. You know, that's something that we as as individuals uh, can only do our best to guess where the horses are we know the horse is sound he's happy and he's had three really really good works and he's shown us all the signals that he's ready to roll um you could argue that his florida derby race where he ran second he wasn't as ready as he was for the kentucky derby and you saw he moved forward from the florida derby to the kentucky derby and at the same time the florida derby was an amazing second so um for ourselves we don't ever put the pressure that one race makes or breaks a horse's career uh we're hoping for a healthy and long three-year-old campaign and and hopefully an amazing four-year-old campaign as well you know a horse's career is a is a is made up of a long body of work and and for ourselves, it's, it's just, you know, getting the ball rolling to, to start the second half of this year. Uh, is this, um, dare I say it, a, a, a throwback? Are, are you going back to the old school of of realising that horses are there to, to run, but that you can't have a horse absolutely tuned to run with his or her eyeballs out every single time they go to the track? A hundred percent. And I even our training methods are very you know throwback as well you know we, we we have a lot of long gallops and our workouts are six seven eight furlong works and um you know that that, that commentary was was apparent at, you know before the kentucky derby and after people pointed it out um it's the super great ones that's why when you see what frankel did what zenyatta did what pharaoh did 
you sit back and say, holy cow, you know, with, with, with those things. I mean, those that's why they're at the pantheon of the greats. When when you can keep them at cigar comes to mind, you know, that you can keep them at that highest of levels, 100% cranked for the entire year. I mean, you know, the, that's what makes those those horses the most special horses that we've ever seen. And, and um, you know, this colt has, will have, had his fourth consecutive grade one come this Saturday and with the Travers, his fifth consecutive grade one and no other three-year-old Colt can say that uh, with the consistency that we've been able to show, you know, being classic placed, we won the Derby and, you know, placed in the other one. Um, it's just about doing well by the horse and bringing the horse along and, 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 and putting forth a good effort. You know, those who live and die by a win and a loss, like, you know, that just adds way too much pressure to the equation. We're trying to be as organic as possible and bring the horse along. And, and, and our goal has always been the Travers. And uh, hopefully this race hopefully results in a win. But hey. if not, we want a good performance and, and, a, and a big win in the Travers. All right, Romero, one last thing, because I know you're a man who, who's keen on context and history and you understand what this horse's sire, Good Magic, did. Uh, just to take you through Good Magic's three-year-old career, he ran first weekend in March in the Fountain of Youth. That's exactly what you did. He finished third, you finished fourth. Uh, you went to the Florida Derby, but he went to the Bluegrass Stakes on effectively the same day, and he won that, you won that. Then he couldn't do what you did, which was win the Kentucky Derby, but he did have a horse called Justify in his way. Then he ran okay, but a bit disappointingly at, uh, at Pimlico, ring any bells. Then he had the 71-day break, and he ran his lights out at Monmouth Park at the back end of July. So there you go. The portents are good. <laughs> that was a great rundown, Nick. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, hopefully, we can have uh, we can have the same result in the in the Haskell, and then do one, you know, do a couple better, do a couple placings better in the Travers. Yeah, you need to go eight placings better in the Travers, but I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not gonna start splitting air. Um, listen, come what may in the in the Travers. I mean, are you thinking beyond the summer at all? Are you thinking into Breeders' Cups and next year? We definitely are. Um, we, you know, we we don't have anything in our way right now like demands from a stud deal or outside pressures you know we're we we want to we we've seen how many great horses became ultra great as four-year-olds you know recently gunrunner comes to mind you know he was a uh, he ran third in the uh, excuse me he was a runner-up in the beers cup dirt mile as a three-year-old people don't remember that and then came back to become you know a a monster throwback to ali sheba who after winning the derby in the preakness you know, he had uh, less than stellar races after that, but came back to reel off six grade ones as a four-year-old. So we understand, you know, how horses mature, how physically, you know, they really hit their best stride at four and five. And, you know, hopefully we can have a fantastic four-year-old campaign racing in some, you know, fantastic and tradition-rich races. And who knows, maybe even a trip to Dubai or, you know, all these things are in play. You know, we, we really love to, to have that opportunity to, to showcase our horse and, and um, you know, bring back the, you know, the the horse racing, race horses. They 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 race, and um, you know, it's all about keeping them healthy, happy, and and on a fun path. I'll see you on the Jersey Shore, Ramiro. Great to hear there. Thank you, Nick. 
Ramiro Restrepo there, the co-owner of Mage, the Kentucky Derby winner, and as during the Triple Crown Series and in the lead-up to the Breeders' Cup, our US coverage this year is brought to you in association with Qatar Racing, expanding their portfolio of racing and breeding interests throughout North America. From North America, we go now to Hong Kong to catch up with Vincent Ho, who shortly is about to have a working holiday in the UK. Uh, the man who is most associated for the brilliant Golden 60 and also for chasing up Zach Purton in the Jockeys' Championship last year and a former champion apprentice of many moons ago, but now established as one of the great ambassadors for Hong Kong racing. Uh, he is coming to Goodwood, and I began by asking him how much he was looking forward to this visit. I think, first of all, I improved the most after every um, UK trip uh, during the summer. And, uh, of course... Mr. Johnson gave me a lot of opportunity and and uh, and I you know to be able to perform and and uh, improve so um, I always would love to come back to race uh, and it's of course it's our Hong Kong off season and it's great to do something uh, different ride some new race tracks uh, not just shouting and happy valley uh but unfortunately I, I would love to come for um you know longer but unfortunately i also um committed to japan so i'll have to um you know spend less time in the uk I, we often hear um, UK-based jockeys, um, Neil Callan being the most obvious example, who come back here saying how much they've learnt about race riding from riding in Hong Kong. How does it work in in reverse? How are you honing your skills by by coming here? Um, I think is trusting my feelings and my judgment because. UK tracks is completely different. They usually built, uh, um, you know, with nature. It's it's not like Shatin or Happy Valley. They built um, they built by human. Um, so um, that's the different. And it's always uphill, downhill, or um, left hand, right handed. In Hong Kong, we're only right handed mostly flat so um in uk you really have to feel your horse uh feel how much underneath uh you um it got and um when you can really press the button to ask the horse to go and not get flat in the last bit um so that 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 helps um yeah i think it's that's the completely different to Hong Kong. So it's patience and instinct as much as anything else? Um, I would say so. Uh, in Hong Kong, you're basically reacting to the race. Um, you know, so it really helps when when I have all the feelings and and uh, react at the same time. That, that will definitely help me in Hong Kong. Now, your great friend, Golden 60, has just been crowned Hong Kong Horse of the Year for the third consecutive year, which is just extraordinary. His race record is now 25 wins from 29 starts. 
Uh, can we realistically talk about this horse as the as the greatest horse that that Hong Kong has ever seen in terms of body of work, if nothing else? Um, yeah, I of of course as as um, his rider, I believe so. Is one of the best in Hong Kong, um, and what makes him great not just physically but his his mind, you know. A lot of horses probably is uh, physically better than him, but um, haven't been on any horse that have the mindset like him. Is you know as as just like a top athletes, you you need both um, to be at the top to to you know um, it's like um, if you play tennis, it's like Nadal mindset. So um, you know he he always fight and and never give up and even always um, try over his limits um, yeah that's what make him special of course and, and dare I ask what what's the plan for for golden 60 now um, we will raise him uh, for the international um, not sure about if we will go for the group 2 pre-race uh, but we'll definitely raise him uh, for the international, and we will decide after uh, after how he performed uh, in December. Is you know he's a horse that loves to compete, so we don't want to take away from him if he is still uh, competitive and still be able to win. Obviously, I mentioned you've you've had a terrific season this year. Is a title challenge a realistic ambition for you? Do you think you could you could challenge Purton for the title next year? Um, it's gonna be difficult. He's still almost half the number uh, in front of me, uh, and he ride for eighty to ninety percent of. The stables in Hong Kong, and I mainly focus in five stable, and and uh, and probably within that five, uh, two will be um, Francis and and uh, my former boss Casper will be will be my um, support me the most. So. Um, and I, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult, I think, because I'm still not, not the type that um, to be able to handle so many, uh, so many stable, which um, in Hong Kong, we are not allowed to have agents. So um, we, we sort of have to um, manage our own rights. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mainly always focus to that five stables and and uh, it's it's probably going to be hard for me to to challenge him but you know as long as i'm doing well for those stable i'm i'm uh, i should be happy about it because uh, they support me a lot and i i repaid them with with the result so um yeah that's my still my priority is that um five stables um so um, of course, I would like to challenge 
that number one day but uh yeah it takes time it takes time mm. and uh and uh you, i have to learn to be able to reject uh some horses that or um that aren't gonna win but is the stable that um support me a lot so um it, it's not easy uh but uh if one day be a champion jockey we'll probably have to do that uh, my thanks to vincent ho it'll be good to see uh one of hong kong's leading riders at, at glorious goodwood david won't it yes indeed it will um vincent ho has ridden for mark johnston in britain before we know what a talented rider he is and uh it'll be really great to see him in action at Goodwood, it's a, a, a tricky old course to ride, even for uh, riders who have got lots of experience of, of riding in Britain. But uh, looking at his achievements elsewhere, I'm sure he'll prove up to the job. All right. Do you have uh, a tip for me today who will get the job done? I hope so. It's in the 6.30 race at Wolverhampton today, Nick. Number three, Glory Call, uh, who got off the mark at the seventh attempt over course and distance at the end of last month. Noble captain who reopposes today was in fourth place. Um, Glory Call has gone up two pounds as a result and can uh, race in this naught to 55, despite carrying uh, a BHA rating or having a BHA rating of 57. 6.30 race at Wolverhampton, selection number three, Glory Call. Uh, David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Um, don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast, please do tell your friends. Uh, and after that, if you have a little time, uh, a rating and a review wherever you consume your pods would be uh, most welcome. We will see you once again tomorrow. That was Wednesday, July the 19th. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.